from Tokyo, Japan, and Sterling in the United Kingdom. This is Down to Business English with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Des Morgan. Mr. Des Morgan, good to have you back. It has been too long since you and I have been on the show together. And it's good to be back too, Skip. For listeners who do not know, Des took a short hiatus from D2B and his teaching position in Changsha, China, while he was visiting his family back in Scotland over the year end. That's right. I was gone from late December until just last week. And how was everything back in Scotland? How did your trip go, Des? It was both good and bad. Oh, good and bad. It was good, very good, in fact, to see family and friends. Of course. But at the same time, not very good in terms of all the labour strikes and industrial unrest going on in the UK at the moment. Right, I have been following all of that. Schools, hospitals, train drivers, civil servants, customs officials. It seems like everyone has been or is going on strike at some point in the UK. Hey, yeah, that's very true. I guess the increase in the cost of living is hitting everyone. Some people are saying it is reaching crisis levels. You can definitely feel it. I know in my family, we didn't even really have a proper Christmas lunch this year as everything has just become so expensive, including the cost of energy to put the oven on to cook even the overpriced food that you buy. Wow, I'm so sorry to hear that, Des. But so much doom and gloom. Let's try to be a little bit more positive. Did you at least get any nice Christmas presents? I made out all right. Some warm sweaters to fight the cold. Oh, and some warm socks. <laughs> socks and sweaters. Uh, I guess that's not very positive either. Oh, I don't know. At our age, socks and sweaters aren't such bad gifts. Well, they're not exactly exciting though, are they? True. I did get an interesting book though titled The End of the World is Just the Beginning. The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Who, who is the author? The geopolitical strategist Peter Zayan. Oh, Peter Zayan, right. I have heard of him. I think I saw him on the Joe Rogan podcast recently. He's quite the popular guest on podcasts and TV shows, I believe. Well, that title, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, does not sound very positive. It really suits your Ebenezer Scrooge, bah humbug, depressed mood for today. <laughs> well, let's not forget that in the Dickens book Christmas Carol, Scrooge did finish the story happily in the end. That is true too. So does Zion's book have a happy ending too? Uh, no, not really, to be honest. <laughs> According to him, we're in deep water in terms of a prosperous future. Apart from the US, France and New Zealand, that is. You don't hear those particular countries grouped together. What sets them apart from the rest of us? I will answer that in due course. Okay, so is this our topic today? Peter Zion's book? The book deals with a lot of different factors that are weighing in on the world today. But as the book is a fairly hefty tomb, 
today I will only focus on one particular issue that Zayn deals with. And that issue would be demographics. The study of the statistical characteristics of a population. Such as age, gender, income, education level, occupation, and all those other factors. Yes, that's right. And what he has to say is both interesting, but also concerning. So let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with demographics. How they shape the economics of our world today and what they are telling us about the world of tomorrow. Skip, when you hear the word demographics, what do you think of? Hmm, I immediately think of different generations. You know, the baby boomers, Generation X, the millennials, Generation Z, and now Generation Alpha. Right. And each of those generations is supposed to have certain characteristics. You and I are both Generation X, Des, so we are supposed to be more liberal in our outlook, but also more cynical and disaffected. Actually, Skip, I'm not a Generation Xer. You're not? Really? I'm not. I was born on the very last year of the baby boomers, actually 1964. Oh, <laughs> you're kidding. I should just start calling you Grandpa. I, I didn't realize you were so old, Des. <laughs> and neither did I, to be honest. It just sort of crept up on me. Anyway, our report today is not focused on generational differences. It's more about the demographic spread of generations across different countries' populations and what that can tell us about future social and economic performance in those countries. By demographic spread, you mean the ratio between different generations within a population. That's right. As you know, many developed countries have aging populations where the older people outnumber the younger people. I know that Japan has one of, if not the fastest aging population on the planet. Only surpassed by the tiny island of Monaco in the Mediterranean, where 35% of the population are aged over 65. In Japan, that number is 28%. Lower than Monaco, but considerably higher than the US at 16%, Germany at 22%, and France at 20.3%. And France is just a had higher than the UK, which is at 19%. So it is definitely a trend in developed countries. This is a huge problem because as more people retire, there are fewer people paying taxes that are necessary to fund old age pensions. That's true. The retirement age in the UK is slowly being raised from 65 to 67 for that very reason. The situation looks particularly bad for Japan, at least on paper. What do you mean, on paper? Well, Japan has one advantage over other nations in the fact that it has had to deal with this issue way before the other countries reached the same point. And how exactly was that advantageous for Japan? Well, large manufacturers like Toyota, Suzuki and Honda they recognized a long time ago that the workforce in Japan was shrinking. So 
they started offshoring their production, especially to countries where they intended on selling their cars. Countries like China and Vietnam, where the workforce was plentiful and labor was cheap. Right. This effectively allowed Japanese manufacturers to keep their prices down while at the same time maintaining high-quality products. European and American car makers followed suit. Renault has plants in India and Buick and Chevrolet in China. But you are right, it was the Japanese that really pioneered the concept. While the nuts and bolts of manufacturing has been transitioned overseas, revenue still flows back to Japan. The surplus money is then still available to fund retiree pensions. The situation remains concerning, but, like I said, it is not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, Peter Zeehan talks about that very point in his book. In fact, do you know which country that he believes is facing the greatest threat from the aging population? I haven't read the book, so no, I don't have any idea. Well, this is really surprising. It's China. China? Really? That is surprising. Only 11.9% of the Chinese population is over 65, which is relatively low compared to the US and Europe. Yes, but that figure just tells us about current retirees. What it doesn't tell us is the generation after that. Those who are about to retire or will retire sometime in the next 20 years. Are you thinking of the one-child policy? I am. As everyone knows, the one-child policy ran from 1980 to 2015. Right. It was put in place specifically to curb China's exploding population. However, the birth rate had already halved between its peak in 1968 and when the one-child policy came in, in 1980. Really? That's a little counterintuitive. Are, are you sure about that, Des? What was the birth rate in 1968? In 1968, the birth rate was 39 births per 1,000 people. Huh. And in 1980? 21 per 1,000 people. That is an interesting statistic. I always thought the one-child policy was responsible for lowering the birth rate. The birth rate actually rose after the one-child policy was implemented and then fluctuated throughout the 80s before falling to 14.27 by the end of the 90s. Since then, it's remained relatively stable. So let me do the math here. The birth rate was falling quite rapidly in the late 60s and in the 70s. And it's 2023 today. So a person born in 1968 would be my age, 54 today. Exactly. The peak birth rate was in the late 1960s. So all of the people born at that time are set to retire in about 10 years' time. While the number of people still in employment will be continually lower going forward. Fewer workers to fund an ever-growing aged society. And keep in mind that when the one-child policy was discontinued in 2015, the birth rate in China actually plummeted. So looking forward, the longer-term future is even bleaker. No, it is not a good picture at all. And last year, 
in 2022, China's population actually fell for the first time ever with a drop of 850,000 people from 2021. I, I heard that headline. Now, some of that decrease can be attributed to COVID, but the birth rate was also a major factor. What was the birth rate in 2022? 7.52 births per thousand people. Now, you can compare that to 11.06 in the US and 16.42 in India. So there is a good chance that India will soon overtake China as the world's most populous nation. It would seem that way. However, Chinese President Xi Jinping has stated that boosting birth rates is a priority in the country's future planning. Has he given any specifics as to how he will accomplish that? Not really, but it's sure to involve incentives for families to have more children and a concerted effort by the government to bridge the gender gap in education and in the workplace. By bridging the gender gap, more women will enter the office or the workplace and will find it easier to improve their positions throughout their careers. Yes, that's what these initiatives are hoping to do. But Des, even if they are successful at increasing the birth rate, it is going to be an uphill battle growing the workforce. Keep in mind, though, that China's manufacturing sectors have been moving away from making fairly simple products that require a large workforce to manufacture more complex products with a higher degree of automation. Right. The more manufacturing is automated, the fewer workers you need. In 2022, China entered the top 10 countries with the most advanced robotics. Japan is number two, I believe, just behind first place South Korea. That's correct. But China entering the top 10 is hugely significant because it indicates that China will need a smaller workforce in the future. So, not all doom and gloom then. Not all. Can we return to the three countries you mentioned in the introduction? The US, New Zealand, and France? I'm guessing their demographic makeup is much better. They all have declining birth rates, but in spite of that, growing populations. Well, how does that happen? It's due to the large number of immigrants that they allow into their countries every year. Of course. I imagine Canada is in a similar situation. Mm, I don't know about Canada, but what is significant in the US, France and New Zealand is that they have a lower number of current and future retirees compared to some other countries. Three countries to watch in future episodes then. Although... Demographics tend to take a long time to play out. <laughs> they sure do. What we can say is that as a country develops, living standards do improve. However, the cost of living becomes more expensive as well. As costs rise, people tend to have fewer children. And that's what's playing out across the developing world. And on that note... I think it is time for us to get D2V down to vocabulary. Do you find down-to-business English useful in your English studies? Would you like to support the show? 
Consider becoming a D2B member today. Down to Business English memberships come with three great benefits. First, D2B members receive bonus content in the form of exclusive members-only episodes. Second, within moments of a new episode being released, an audio script is automatically emailed to you. There is no need for D2B members to go through the time-consuming process of visiting the website, logging into their account, locating an episode, and then downloading the audio script file. And third, D2B members have 100% access to the entire library of audio scripts, all the way from Season 1, Episode 1, right up to the most recently released episode. Interested in becoming a member? Just visit the Down to Business English website and click on the membership link at the top of the page. I will get the ball rolling today with the adjective hefty. When you describe an object as hefty, you are saying that it is both large and heavy. In the introduction to today's episode, Des described Peter Zion's book as hefty. In other words, he was saying the book is a very long read. I did say that. And by using the word hefty, I was also indicating that the topic of the book is particularly heavy or very serious as well. Can you give us an example using hefty in a business situation, Des? I sure can. You could tell your co-workers that they should get a good rest tonight because tomorrow's meeting has a hefty agenda. They will then know that it's likely to be a pretty long meeting as the areas that need to be covered are important and influential. Nice example. I think the recent COP27 meeting in Egypt on climate change contains some pretty hefty topics for nations to agree on. <laughs> How right you are. I will continue with a further adjective, disaffected, which means to be dissatisfied, particularly with authority or the systems of control. In the story, Skip noted that a common characteristic of Generation X is that they tend to be dissatisfied or disaffected to a greater degree than earlier generations. So what I was saying was that Generation X has a tendency to be unhappy with their government leaders or the police or even their bosses. Are you like that, Skip, as a Generation Xer? <laughs> Somewhat, maybe, I guess, a little. You know, I never thought that about you. Well, maybe I don't express my dissatisfaction very openly. Anyway, the adjective disaffective commonly collocates with the noun youth. Young people are often unhappy with their government and the way that society works. Disaffected youth often feel their views are not being fairly considered. You know what? I felt that way when I was young. You have a good memory, Des, as that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, what's the next word on the list? Let's take a look at the expression to look good or to look bad on paper. <laughs> 
a very useful expression. It is. When you say that something looks good on paper, you are conveying that it is good or correct in theory, but not in practice. If you say it looks bad on paper, you are saying the opposite, that it is bad in theory, but in practice is actually pretty good. In today's report, Skip commented that the demographic situation in Japan looks bad on paper. So what he was saying was that in practice, in reality, it's not so bad. Precisely. Now, this is a great expression to use when you want to politely tell your coworker that you don't like their idea. For example, if your colleague suggests that everyone stops working remotely and return to the office, you might say something like, hmm, working in the office five days a week might look good on paper, but I think there will be a hefty cost in terms of employee morale. Nice example, and you even managed to work hefty into the example. Ah, you noticed that. Thank you. Moving on, our next word is the verb pioneer which means to be the first to do something. Hmm, and pioneer is also a noun. That it is. But in the story, I used it as a verb. I noted that Japanese car makers pioneered the concept of manufacturing cars in the countries where they intended to sell them, whilst also benefiting from the lower wage costs. In other words, the Japanese automotive companies were the first to set up their manufacturing process in that manner. Can you give us another example, Des? Sure. I read an interesting article recently that said that some of the medical processes pioneered in the making of the COVID mRNA vaccines could mean that we are a step closer to a cancer vaccine. Hmm, that would be a huge breakthrough. It sure would. Our next and our final word for D2V today is the business expression to bridge a gap. When you bridge a gap between two things, you make the differences between those two things smaller. In the story, I talked about China's plan to bridge the gender gap in the workplace. In other words, China plans on making the differences between men and women in the workplace smaller. Other gaps that exist and are often discussed in the news are the wealth gap and the education gap. Governments and politicians are constantly talking about creating policies to bridge the education gap between poor neighborhoods and wealthier areas in a city or country. Did you know that the wealth gap in the UK is the widest it's been since the end of World War II? No, I did not know that. So that is definitely a gap that needs bridging. Would you like to support Down to Business English? Help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills. Be sure to subscribe to Down to Business English on Apple Podcasts or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, why don't you leave a rating and a review? Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.
Thanks, Des. So good to be talking with you again and have you reporting on the show. Good to be talking to you again too, Skip. And uh, I'm happy to be back, of course. So how long will you be in China this time around? A few months? I'll be here for six months this time. Six months. Well, I hope that you and I can record many episodes while you are there. Me too. Actually, I'm researching a few different topics for us to report on at the moment. Oh, do tell. Give us a little preview. One report will be on the strength of the US dollar, and another is on what all goes into valuing a brand. Those both sound very interesting. They sound interesting on paper, at least. <laughs> we will see. I'm sure they will be fine. I'm looking forward to working on them with you. Me too. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des, or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.